Hi everyone, welcome back to Resilient and Rowdy. I am back, it's been a minute, but I have a really amazing guest who is also named Jess. Um, welcome, Jess. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. How do you pronounce your last name, by the way? Manfrey. You okay. know, we've heard it all. Manfire, Manfrey. Like people will just, you know. I like it. Okay, that's what I thought. And also I was like, that's cool. It's like you like switched up like Freeman. I've always heard Freeman, but Manfrey, I like it. That's a little there you go. switch up. Okay, well, Jessica, you go by Jess. Mm -hmm. um, you are a published author and senior contributor for multiple military publications. Heck yeah, girl. You are also a licensed social worker. Um, and you, like I said, you recently wrote a book. And I think we really just want to, I really want to poke your brain about that because um, I think what you're doing is really needed in the community. So just, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to write the book. I mean, I always joke that I am an accidental writer because, you know, my husband loves to joke about how much we spent, you know, putting me through grad school to be a social worker. And I was maybe, I don't know, a year and a half away from finishing and I, uh, I lost my grandmother and it was just such a, um, it was such a loss. There's really no other way to describe it. And I had reached out to the editor of Military Families Magazine and I, I asked her, I said, has anyone ever written from a space of, you know, being a military family and having that guilt of all that time lost because of how much we move, you know, you're lucky if you go home once a year. Um, and I don't know what called me to ask her, but she said, no, you need to write it. Um, and so I did, and it was very therapeutic for me to just say goodbye to her in that way. And, um, she just kept encouraging me to write. And I was not good at first. Let me just tell you some of these articles for red pen all day, but she was just, she was a Marine, she's a Marine Corps spouse. Uh, he's retired now. And she was just so patient. She was a true, and is a true journalist. Um, and then I started writing for We Are the Mighty under Tessa Robinson, who, you know, phenomenal writer, editor, and same thing, you know, mentored me, had no problem texting me, being like, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> but, you know, here we are, you know, years later at this point, I've written over 400 articles for We Are the Mighty. You know, that's it's become amazing. a thing. Yeah, that's I love it. I love it. But, I love telling other people's stories so much. There's such power in it. And maybe that's where I bring in the social work, you know, stuff, being able to hear and then share their stories. I think the impact is just unmeasurable. So writing a book was very um, uncomfortable for me. Uh, number one, uh, I was raised Catholic and our, our faith was very private, right? If you've ever been to a Catholic mass, you know, it's traditional, lots of standing, there's singing, there's parts. It's just a whole thing. But you're not seeing Catholic people out there, you know, screaming their love for Jesus. It just doesn't happen. It's just very, you know. Um, but my good friend, Megan Brown, who would scrub the world with Jesus if she could, was like, you have a book in you. Like, I know, I know you can make a difference. I know you can do this and write something that would impact our community. And I was like, what? No, like, I just, I do this. I'm in this box over here. But, uh, no, she pushed me. I did a proposal. I wanted to write about loneliness. I I truly think it's something that kills, you know, especially as I was eventually writing the book and I started to dive into the research behind the physical and mental implications when you're feeling lonely. Um, 
and then I had to kind of dig into my own life. And, and, you know, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't write this book to military and veteran spouses about loneliness and not unpack my own stuff. Right. So there was a lot of vulnerability in there. Um, I cried a lot. There was a lot of, this is a dumpster fire. Nobody's going to read it <laughs> moments. Um, but uh, it was just, I, I really, really hope that what I've put together is something that will be a resource that we desperately need. I think sometimes the military spouse community is absent from the literary conversation. You know, we have a lot of books for veterans or active military on PTSD, the things that they go through as they serve this country. But the, there's another lens to that, right? And that's the spouse that's, you know, holding it down while they do that. And they're hurting. Um and so that's how it came about. And I threw the book of Ruth from the Old Testament in there and was like, let's make this work. That's beautiful. Well, also, um, have you ever written before, like in your diary, poems, like anything, like a little bit here and there before? Okay. All right. So, I mean, going from that to then, you know, kind of jumping into that is a big step, but also, like I said, really important. Hi, we have we have a someone who broke in. I love you, but I'm I'm recording. And I remember how I said, "Don't come in the sunroom." I'm hungry. You need what? I'm hungry. So you can get a snack. You don't need to ask permission. Get whatever you want, but please don't open that door again. Okay. Love you so much. You're my favorite girl. Hug and kiss. Oh, hug and a kiss. Okay. Yeah. You look you're so cute. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so cute. Um. Okay, so yeah, so you went from, you know, just casual writing into, you know, writing articles and, and then eventually writing your book. Um, and I think you are right, like loneliness and the lack of community, like we are humans, we are social beings, like we need that, uh, that aspect to have like a healthy balance in our lives. And so being a military spouse, you are uprooted and you're moved around a lot. So sometimes it's not always like you're going into welcoming arms like sometimes everyone has walls or boundaries or um you know they feel some type of way they they keep to themselves and how do you navigate that through each duty station um and i'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your grandmother and i i feel you on that like when you're gone and you said like you can maybe visit home like once a year if if any you do feel like you miss out on a lot and you know phone calls and facetimes can only do so much they can kind of warm your soul and and be helpful to an extent, but like their presence means a lot more and like, you know, hugs and like holding hands, mm -hmm. quality time together. Like, um, you know, like you're a licensed social worker, you definitely understand the depths of the psychology of, you know, uh, human relationships and all of that. So in your book, you focus on the loneliness and like how to cope with it or, are there like any like solutions to that? Like, you know, you kind of have to put yourself out there for the loneliness. Um, and sometimes I feel like while someone cannot fill the shoes of your grandmother, you know, it doesn't hurt for the lack of trying and especially dealing with loss. Um, you know, like I said, you're not going to find that person again, but you can find people that can help you carry through the rest of your life, you know, um, whatever your religious or beliefs are, um, you know, you don't want the person that you just lost to, you know, see you from heaven or, or even like the fact of them knowing if they were still alive and knowing how you would grieve afterwards, like, oh, she's just sitting around and grieving me instead of, 
you know, enjoying the memories that we have and then continuing on with her life because that's what I would want her to do. And that's the tricky part about grief, whether it's your grandmother, your father, your spouse, um, the military community deals with a lot of loss in, in numerous aspects. And sometimes you're not mm-hmm. there to physically grieve. So the fact that, you know, you're writing about this is, is crucial to, you know, a healthy aspect of military community, anyone's community. Um, so your book is called Never Alone. So you said there was a lot of, you know, red editing and tears and all of that, but like you found it therapeutic. So I'd love to kind of get into that. Like, it kind of let yeah. you reflect on your emotions. Would you say that you were kind of running from or like avoiding feeling them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the first chapter is lonely hurts and it was, it was really, okay, I'm going to dive into what lonely means, what it is, what it looks like. And I can't do that if I'm not willing to go through my own life. And for me, you know, um, it was examining the absence of a father. You know, my father who uh, is deceased now, he was an alcoholic. And that absence of, of not having him in my life, you know, once my parents got divorced, you know, he went to prison. There was all sorts of stuff that, you know, came about um, that left a hole. And that, you know, I had to unpack that and figure out, okay, <clears throat> could that relationship that was was never really anything have impacted some of the poor choices I made? Could it have impacted, um, you know, how I, I deal with things now as an adult? And there was a lot of connecting and, you know, I was able to look back and go, you know what, I held on to a lot of hurt there. And I personally made the decision to forgive and let go. And that meant looking at the whole situation. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that I ask people to do throughout this book, depending on the chapter, you know, there's one, um, on building, you know, a guard your heart toolbox, right? You cannot, you cannot avoid pain, you know, in the moment it may make sense. You know, I use this reference a lot, but you know, if a police officer, you know, makes a decision that radically changes lives, he can't right there in that moment collapse and, you know, feel those emotions. It's just not possible. So you do have to table it and we have a defense mechanism for that, right? Same thing with soldiers on the battlefield. They lose someone next to them. They can't stop and grieve, right? And so maybe my suppressing of, you know, how I felt about my father was good in the moment, but what did it lead to? You know, did it cause me to, you know, have more walls up than I needed to have? And uh, and so I think that that was, that was an important part of the writing process and going through that. And unfortunately, you know, my, my father ended up dying while I finished this book. Um, so I had to go back and do some edits but I share this, you know, very honestly, like we almost had no relationship because he continued to drink. You know, I sent him cards. I sent him pictures of my children. But, you know, there was a moment when he called me while I was holding my son and um, he was drunk. And I'm like, am I going to enable this? Like, is this something that I'm going to, you know, like my son doesn't need to see this. My son doesn't need to have the memories that I had as a child. And so from there, you know, I cut it off. But when he was sick and dying, I told him I loved him. I told him I forgave him. And when he passed, I went and I took care of, you know, his body, his things. And that was so healing for me. And that's, and I stress like forgiveness doesn't mean you forget, right? You know, you do not. And it was a gift for me. Not everybody is able to come to that place, but that let me let go. 
and look at things in a different light and be able to share that experience with the readers because I know that I'm not alone in that experience, right? That's probably a very widely shared experience, especially I would say, you know, within our generation. Um, you know, so it's just, it was hard, but I think worth it. Uh, and I feel like too, you know, we should be an open book. I think as a society, we're getting to this place where we don't want filter. We don't want fake. We want that raw human story. And I can't expect people to share theirs with me if I'm not willing to share my own. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I'm, uh, that's wild that your father passes during you writing this book. And so like that will obviously have like an influence, but I'm proud of you for breaking that cycle, you know, and um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, but for our audience, you'd be surprised the impact of whether your parent is present or not present, that influence that it has on you as a child into adulthood and into the rest of your life. And it's up to you to navigate through that. So you can either use that an excuse. You can continue the cycle of, you know, like had you gone into drinking because your dad did it, like you could use that as an excuse or crutch, but really you kind of put your foot down. You were like, Hey, I don't want this for me. And I don't want this for my son, my family. So I'm really proud of you because I know it can be really difficult to establish boundaries with family. Like I think a lot of people struggle with that because it's family and that's always the excuse or the justification, but it can be just Mm -hmm. as damaging. Um, But I'm really glad that you found the clarity and the healing throughout this process. Like that's, that's wonderful and just so unsurprising. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're grateful for that. So, and I'm sure, you know, being a military spouse, like your partner is already going through a lot. And then to kind of come to the table, do you feel like y'all can come together and communicate as a couple about like both of y'all's difficulties? Like granted, he can't really share that at work, but maybe he can go to like behavioral health or he can come to you. Has writing this book or the things that you have gone through kind of helped you be more vocal or was this like writing the book? Did that help you begin that. Like, let's be more vocal. Let's vocalize it. Let's talk through it, work through it so that we can get through it and move past it. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I wouldn't let my husband read the book until I got my author copies. I'm a mean wife, but also I felt like I wanted it to be my story and I didn't want him to influence how I wrote it. Not that he would, but I just, I wanted to make sure I didn't edit things and I, I was very, you know, I I was representing who I was. Um, We are wonderful communicators now, but as many, you know, military families do, we came into this life very young. I was 19 when I met him. I was 22 when we married. And at this point, you know, we've been together 15 years. I would say that we communicated horribly, um, you know, when we were younger in our marriage and in our relationship. But I, I don't find that you know, surprising looking back on it. I mean, you know, some of my personal history, you know, my husband is a product of a divorced home. Uh, you know, fortunately his own father ended up getting divorced more than one time after that, same thing with his mother. And so there was a lot of instability in his life. And if you look at the statistics for a lot of folks that come in, especially enlisted, a lot of them are doing it to escape or to build a better life, you know, there was a time we were stationed in Cape May and that's where the boot camp is for the Coast Guard that we would have, you know, recruits showing up homeless. And that was just, 
that was just a reality. And so the military was their way of getting out of it. And then they marry young. A lot of them are lonely. You know, the first person they meet that they connect with, they start and they build a relationship before they're really truly ready and have the coping skills to navigate it successfully. Right. Okay. I have a child in here again. Yes, you can't open this box. Lord have mercy. Okay. Let's just leave these here. I'll put them away for you. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, it's not funny, but I've done podcasts before where the like in this other room that I have a desk and my chickens will line up and they just decided that that's the day that they're just going to crow and make noise and like the sound effects are ridiculous. So today I was like, I'm going to leave them locked up. It's kind of rainy anyway. She's definitely going to behave. And God was like, yeah, no. <laughs> you can play. It's all good. I haven't seen the chickens and I love kiddos. So you're good. Like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Um, okay. So yeah, you mentioned you are, um, a uh, spouse of an active duty uh, Coast Guardsman. And that community mm -hmm. is really small. So, I mean, is is it diff even more difficult, like making friends, establishing friends? Like, thankfully with social media, you can keep up, but like the constant ebb and flow of in and out can be difficult. So like, do you also see that you have a support group of like friends, um, like acquaintances, that you can go to whenever, like, when, if your husband, if and when he's gone, like, do you have that support group as well? Like, does that help you with the feeling of being lonely? Or is it like, you do respectively have to be a little choosy of like, who you let in in your life, um, and the quality of friends, rather than quantity? Um, definitely. And I, I would say that the seasons have been different. Uh, you know, getting into this relationship, you know, the first place I moved with him, we made the decision to live an hour away from the ship that he was on because it was more affordable. I was going to night school. The school was right there. And that meant that I didn't have, you know, the ship, you know, spouses to be close with and to lean on. Oh. Um, and at the time we were just dating, so they wouldn't have called me for anything. And as a matter of fact, we showed up, and this is 2006. So this is pre-social media. I think we were still rolling with MySpace at that time. And we didn't have internet. I didn't have a job yet. And he just disappeared for four days. They had call, caught a case and nobody called me because I'm not a spouse. He didn't call me because he was, you know. And so that was just, it was a really, really rough season. But I will tell you this, that allowed me to realize that I need to build my own community. And for me, it was, you know, I got a job. It was my coworkers. It was the people that I went to school with. And, you know, civilians can have such a huge impact on our lives. They may not understand, you know, what we go through or, you know, sometimes not even want to involve our, themselves in a relationship with us because we move so often. And it's kind of like, why am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. um, but when you find the ones with hearts of gold, like it's, it's so impactful. And I can say that the friends I made that season, life-changing. But now, you know, it's been a while since we've been to an area where there's not a huge military presence, whether it be Coast Guard or, you know, uh, where we were before, it was Air Force. And I became really close with a lot of the Air Force spouses. But I'm also older now. You know, I have two children. I don't have the time that I had, you know, when I was younger to be able to, you know, invest. So I'm definitely more choosy 
Because if I'm going to devote my energy outside of my home or my work, I want it to be quality, like you said, for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Because, yeah, especially, like, um, when you bring kids into the mix and now that you're a mother, like, you know, that can also have an influence. um, Because, like, you can parent your kids as best as you can. um, But there are some people that don't parent or parent differently, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, like you know, you need to have a good establishment in your household, especially with everything that you've gone through. So I'm really good that, you know, you, you see that and that you have that community. Um, I, I love a good joint base. Cause it's like, everyone's a little different. Like it doesn't have to be the same. Sometimes like within military communities, it can be very like, Oh, like if you're not like us, then you know, you're like outcasted. But the fact that y'all can all just come together and support each other, like I love that. Like I love hearing about the Facebook groups of community and just women coming together, feeling that loneliness, wanting community and friendship and and all the different friends that your kids make that, you know, will eventually be like all over the world, which is really cool. But I am really happy to hear that you found that. So I feel like within the past couple of years, like there's been a lot of good and healing of it. A lot of difficulty, but a lot of healing within this community, which I'm really, like I said, I'm very happy to hear. So um, for military spouses, like what advice do you have for them? Like whether they're like a newlywed, they're new to the community or even current and established and like they've been here a minute, like what would you suggest (laughs) to them to kind of cope and battle with that loneliness? Um, I think for me, um, I love serving others. You know, one of the things that I do is I run a nonprofit with two other military spouses. They're both army spouses and, um, we're all very busy, right. But being able to serve and do what we do within the programming that fills my soul. So if I'm having a bad day, but I'm able to do something for someone else that just changes things. And so I always encourage people, you know, like wherever you go, I mean, maybe it's hard for you to try and make friends right away. You've still got walls up. You're grieving the loss of where you were before. Completely understandable. Like you need to sit in that space. I'm not a person that's like, you know, just get over it or box it up because I think that does more harm than good. Like you should grieve. I think that's important. Um, but also find joy. And for me, I find it in serving. So, you know, if there's a animal shelter, you know, nearby, if there's a soup kitchen, if there's something, you know, there is such a thing as a helper's high. Like when we do for others, we're flooded with happy hormones. It's not a permanent fix by any means, but I think it's something to get you started. Absolutely. And then you're going to meet like my, like-minded people. You know, I think people who are always looking for ways to serve others, um, are my kind of people. So like, that's my tip one. And tip two is, I really do try to look at every um, move as an adventure, right? You know, um, I grew up in a small town in Florida. I never thought about leaving until I met my husband. And it's been, you know, a wild ride. Like, I haven't liked all the places we lived completely, but I've always found something beautiful in it. Um, so, you know, be be willing to be open to adventure, you know, and find the good. Um, and then I would say if you're not, able to do any of that, then seek help. There's so much strength in raising your hand and saying, I am not navigating this well. Um, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, the DOD has only been releasing dependent suicide rates for a couple of years, but both years they've gone up. So there, there's something going on. And I, I just want to encourage anybody who, you know, is in that space and they've tried all the things, reach out for help, you know, if they're not able to navigate it. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, good. Yeah. I'm really glad that you can kind of like make the emphasis like, yeah, you might not like it, but there is good in it. Um, kind of like that phrase, like, um, God, what is it? Um, like your current situation isn't your permanent situation. You can always make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, those little key phrases might seem like cliche and all, but like when you really implement them in your life, they can really, you know, just change your perspective and change your experience. Mm-hmm. So you might not be there forever, um, but you can always make the most of it. So I'm really glad that you can share that with us. And um, and yeah, that you're being, being vocal about it. Like um, I feel like, there's such an emphasis now and people are constantly asking questions like, um, especially, you know, the military world, like why are retention rates so low? Like why is enlistment rates so low? I'm like, well, because the quality of life isn't, isn't the best. And it could obviously improve if you invested time into your people that you currently have so that the people that are currently in can suggest it and, you know, um, be open about their experiences with other people instead of being like, oh yeah, yes, I, I commissioned, yes, I enlisted, but like, this isn't it, bro. Like, so, Mm -hmm. um, whether that be for the, the military member or their spouse, like y'all's quality of life is so important. So, you know, you're talking about like support community, making the most of your duty station. Is there anything else that you would kind of recommend to people um, thinking about, you know, or like considering or about to be a military spouse, like any other good tidbits and advice for them, like on battling like loneliness and community? I would just say that I love the work that everyone who has come before us has like what they've done, Mm -hmm. you know, my experience as a young military spouse is not going to be the experience of the military spouses coming in. You know, there are, there's legislation in place for employment. You know, there are so many more resources. And so I I would say that is make sure, you know, you know, what's, what's out there for you, especially the younger enlisted, like there's so much financial support. You know, if you have a dream professionally or, you know, education wise, like there, there's help for you and it can be overwhelming you know, trying to figure out where, where to start. I love that we have all these Facebook groups, you know, that spouses are willing to jump in and kind of lead you where you need to go. Um, so you're not, you know, out there floundering, you know, by yourself. Right. And like you said earlier, community is such a viable part of who we are as human beings. Um, and we immediately have a connection. We're, we're, we're in this shared life together, right? So there should be no, you know, shame in reaching reaching out. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that too, like know what's available to you. It's hard. Nobody's going to say, you know, this journey is easy or that it's not going to be different than a civilian counterpart trying to pursue, you know, what you're pursuing, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Oh yeah. 100%. And it's, it can be a little difficult to see that in the moment, but if you put the work in and, you know, change up your daily habits, your consistent habits, Um, and even just the quality of people that you are surrounding yourself with, like that can make such a detrimental, um, influence in your life in a good way. So, um, sometimes when you're, you know, in those feelings and emotions and those dark parts in your life, like it's hard to see the light, but there are so many people that have been through it, um, have been in your shoes and have pulled themselves out of it. And it's not, like you said, um, you're not avoiding it. You're not running from it because if you keep mm-hmm. doing that, it, it'll do more harm than good. And especially loneliness. 
um, the ways that people cope can be very harmful. You can get into, you know, alcohol or drug addiction or, um, you know, uh, extensive spending habits. Like some people fill that void with other Mm -hmm. things that aren't necessarily like, I mean, well, yeah, they're just harmful to you, period, to whatever extent. If you go from zero to a hundred and you can't find a good balance, it's going to be a bad influence in your life. And a lot of people aren't coming to terms with that. Like, especially like shopping, like, or, or whatever little habits, like if it's not done in moderation, if it's not done in a healthy way, it's an escape. You get that, you get that high. So um, Mm -hmm. I know I can definitely speak on that with like helping other people. I've always been that way. And I will be the last one to show up for myself. So it's like, I ran from my own issues because I felt like they were like, unsolvable or permanent. And I would help other people because I I love being able to show up for people. And like, I recognize that pain and that hurt, but also showing them like, Hey, you can get through it. Like I'm still here. And, you know, there's temptation to do, you know, harmful things, but like, if you just change things up, you can really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so with you being vocal about your story, you, you know, writing about it and then just showing up in your community, like with friends or helping, you know, the less fortunate. I think that that's like a really good step in the right direction of acknowledging your hurt, facing it, and then, um, you know, working through it instead of just avoiding it. And then that way you can show up better in your life, like your marriage, your friendships, um, Mm -hmm. So like I, like I said, I'm very proud of you and I'm really glad that you're getting this out there because whether you're like a military spouse or, you know, civilian in any kind of um, aspect in, you know, this social world, like you need other people, you need to be able to put your pride aside be like, hey, I need help. Like, um, and that's why sometimes like, especially like in the entertainment industry, like they always say like, hey, yeah, look at the funniest, the most charming, outgoing person in the room. Cause sometimes that can be, um, that can be a mask. It's like, Oh, like everything's great and fine. And then, you know, you hear about a tragic loss or like addiction Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, they were such a light in the community who knew that they were hurting. So, uh, there's a a phrase, you know, in the military community, like I got your six. And a lot of that kind of coincides with check on your friends. Um, Mm -hmm. but also like in any, any group or community, uh, no affiliation with military, just check on your friends. So, um, do you feel like since you've moved around a lot talking about loneliness and the emphasis of like, you know, getting help, reaching out and making the most of your current situation, do you feel like that's also like a part of your story is checking on your friends to see if they're okay and showing up as best as you can as a friend as well. Cause you've experienced that and now you don't want others to go through it. So it's like, is that part of like your routine? Like, is there like a, like you said, we mentioned like the Facebook group, but do you have like a group chat or do you just like kind of have that initiative? Like, Hey, let me check on this friend. Like she's been on my mind lately. Um, you know, she's at a new duty station. Like, is that part of, you know, one of your habits that you do and that you suggest to others as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we can get so busy with work life, family life. Um, you know, I have good friends that I may not talk to, but every few months, and maybe I only see them once a year, but I'm always making sure to be intentional and checking in, in a way that, um, 
you know, matters. I do have group chats, you know, because most of my closest friends are honestly not around me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it goes, right? And so I think technology is beautiful in that way that we can connect so easily. And even if it's just a stupid meme or something, you know, letting them know that I'm thinking about them, like it goes a long way. Um, and I feel like the ones that are the most quiet, sometimes you have to, th- there's stuff going on that they're not telling you. Or like you said, it looks real shiny. It looks real good. But like, if you know your friends, you know, something seems off, right? And to be be able to have the kind of relationship with people where nothing's off the table. And I think that's part of it too, is I feel like as a society, we've kind of gotten away from having conversations and having hard conversations because it's uncomfortable, but you don't grow, you know, if you're avoiding being uncomfortable. And so I always challenge myself, you know, but I think those are the kind of, kinds of friendships you should be investing your, your time in, right? The kind where anything can be brought to the table yes. and talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I personally am definitely feeling that, like, whether it be, like, in my personal life, my social life, um, also, like, with the podcast and, like, this community is, um, you know, you meet a lot of people through social media or, or, or organically, um, mm-hmm. and you connect through social media. And social media is, like... I mean, it's a big mask. I mean, some people can be very authentic with how they use social media, but not everyone. And kind of how you mentioned earlier in this episode that we're kind of like getting tired of that as a society. Like we want real, we want raw, we want authentic. And that also means just like the dualities of life is you're going to have your ups and downs. You want friends that you can um, go to with good news and also like some unsure news or some scary news, just that they can show up for you, whatever you bring to the table and they won't just dismiss you and like say some of those harmful, um, passive things like, Oh, get over it. Like, Oh, you'll be fine. Instead of like, Hey, I see you. Like, I hear you. How can I, how can I help? And sometimes that's just, like you said, just sending a meme or not talking about it. And sometimes it is talking about it, like having that as a person in whatever community you are in, or just, like I said, just showing up as a person, like you want to be approachable. You want to be a good friend, a good partner, a good person in society that people can come to you, whether, like I said, good news, bad news, and that y'all can get through it together. Cause we keep mentioning loneliness and it's like, you can have a, a group of friends, you can be in a room full of people and you can still feel lonely. So that goes both ways, whether it be you not confiding in anyone and wanting to be hyper independent or um, maybe even relying on others too much and you're neglecting yourself and doing that work like going to therapy facing your emotions um, not using alcohol and drugs to cope uh, or other uh, ways so it's like it's just showing up and I think um, now that mental health isn't too much of a taboo conversation in the military world and even civilian world, I think we're able to show up for each other and like do better because we don't want these cycles to repeat. Just like you don't want certain cycles in your family to repeat, you're you're making the change. You're you're showing up, you're having those uncomfortable conversations. And you're also like embracing life. Like life is going to have its ups and downs. So um with your book now, is it officially out? Oh yeah. Tomorrow will be one week. Mm -hmm. 
exciting. Okay. And so where, where can people find your book? Pretty much everywhere. Um, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, Christian book. I feel like there's one other place I'm forgetting. You can definitely go to Moody and get it there specifically. Um, it's been a whirlwind. Like I was literally biting my nails, like the days leading up to it, because again, there's a lot of, you know, me personally, you know, revealing stuff. It's, it's kind of like a, it was just an evolution of how, you know, this was written. And I was like, how are people going to respond to this? Right. Um, but the responses have been pretty phenomenal, like strangers, you know, reaching out, um, other spouses and groups who have shared it, just saying, yes, me too. You know, I had a miscarriage. I share that experience of literally being alone in the hospital, discovering I had lost the baby. My husband couldn't be there, but it was a nurse who showed up for me. And then it was my friends in other states who were there to wrap their arms around me. And it's, it's hard stuff and nothing is going to shield us from life's hard stuff. Um, but man, like when we have some good people around us, I think faith, you know, is a huge part for me, you know, when we were talking earlier, In the episode about me losing my grandmother, what I didn't share is that she had Alzheimer's and she, it was getting pretty bad to where it had been almost a year since she knew who I was. And when we were in the hospital trying to figure out what was going on with her, because she was having all sorts of issues, there was a moment where she grabbed my hand and she knew me and it was literally very fleeting. And I, I thought it was I was imagining it and I asked her and she said, no, you're my granddaughter. I know exactly who you are. Um, And when she passed away, there was a stranger in her room because it was, you know, shared rooms. The stranger said that she kept saying, I'm going home, I'm going home. And so, you know, there was still anger when she passed away. Like I raged, I wanted more time, all those things. But then I decided to kind of examine everything and look at it and go, what a beautiful gift. Right. And for me, part of that gift is having faith, you know, in God and looking at it and going, okay, I got, she got to know me for that moment. We connected. I actually have a picture of us holding hands when she said that. And then I had the gift of knowing her last words where I'm going home to me that translates to, you know, I'm going to heaven. And then she passed, you know, there was no, you know, she would have, she would have suffered. She ended up having, you know, cancer. They weren't going to be able to treat it. She was going to be, you know, so there's a lot of beauty in that. And so I think um, it's been a wild week. Again, everything I was unsure about sharing have been the things that, you know, people have come to me and said, me too. Me too. That's beautiful. And again, thank you just for sharing these like beautiful raw moments with, with me and with us, this podcast and the community. And that's exactly what I'm talking about is, um, these experiences are all shared. It's just a matter of like, who is brave enough to vocalize it. So I appreciate you showing up and, you know, having that discomfort, but pushing through because you know how much this is needed in the community. So I'm really proud of you for putting your book out and, um, and yeah, it's available and it's been a week. So I'm just so happy for you and just so proud of you. And you are very much appreciated and needed in this community. So your impact is going to make like wavelengths. So I'm glad that you're seeing that, um, whether it be people, you know, being vocal about it with you or even in silence, like, I hope you know that there are people who don't even know you, don't know of you. The book is recommended from a friend of a friend of a friend from you. Like the, 
what is it the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon you know what I mean so it's like there's someone yes. out there reading your book <laughs> right now and you know it's through like these different um people and they're just like wow I don't even know this woman but like wow like I like you said like me too or like I feel that and like they will find comfort in that story, whether they vocalize it to you or just keep it to themselves, but then share it on to the next person. So like, I, I love, I obviously love talking, but I love words. I love the impact that it can have on the, on us. Sometimes that can be good or bad, but um, I love that you can see the difficult situation and still see like that silver lining and you're sharing that with everyone. Cause we need that. Um, that little ounce of positivity can like help people like push through. So now that your book has been out for a week, like um, what's next for you? Like, what are you doing next? A deer in a headlights. Um, <laughs> well, this kind of book really is a marathon, right? You know, it's never alone. And then the sub, you know, title, if you will, is Ruth, the modern military spouse and the God who goes with us. So it's very niche, right? I wrote it for the veteran military spouse community. Right. But in my introduction, you know, I, I say clearly that I hope civilians pick it up so that they can have a window into our life. <clears throat> but because it's so specific, it is a marathon. It's, you know, having conversations with chaplains, it's going base to base, you know, bringing it in as a resource. So it'll probably be a year of just kind of bringing this out into the world. Um, I did just take another position as a therapist. We just PCS to North Carolina. And so as soon as I get my license, I'll be practicing here and I'll, I'll always write, you know, it's funny when I laughed about the trajectory, right? I had this plan, social worker, going to be a therapist. Um, but I was the girl with books, like hiding under a table in school, reading well past, you know, the time everybody else had finished. You know, I was the girl writing poems and books on, you know, her mother's floppy disk and, and dreaming of writing one day. And so I shouldn't, I shouldn't have doubted that somehow, some way, this is what I would be doing. But I think I'll always want to tell the stories of our community. You know, every time I get to interview a veteran and, and share what they've been through or what they're doing, you know, to serve, it's just super special. I'll always do that. I would love, you know, to write another book in the next few years on trauma and the impacts that it can have. You know, I've been reading a lot about this generation. Um, you know, I'm 37, soon to be 38. <clears throat> Things were a little bit different back in the day. You know, my mother left the house to go to work and my 11-year-old self had to get up, get dressed, walk myself through a not nice neighborhood to get on a bus and go to school. And when I think about doing that with my almost 12 year old, like my heart wants to stop. Right. But I've been reading all these studies about how this generation, and I don't like to use the word resilient very often. And I took about, talk about it in the book. I prefer grit, but I'm going to use it for this. We're not building a resilient generation because they've never had to navigate hardship and do it in a way that's healthy. Right. Nothing about my childhood experience, I wouldn't wish that on my son. Like, he doesn't need right. to go through what I went through. But because I had those hard things, I was able to work through it and overcome it. And a lot of our younger generation, you know, my, my grandmother always said, you know, I wanted to give you a better life than I had and so on, right? We want to do that. But sometimes we shield our kids a little too much and they're not able to develop, you know, those skills. You know, we're horrible parents and that we won't let our son quit, it's like one of our rules. Like you commit to something, you're going to go, I don't care how much you hate it. You've given your word, you're going to finish it. 
And I think that's important because when I've talked to leaders at different military academies or schools and what they see is kids quitting because they don't know how and what to do when it gets hard. So I would say that would be the next goal is finding a way, you know, to write a book on trauma. I've thought about doing short stories, you know, just things I hear from, you know, the community. Um, but I think it's, you know, we need to talk about it. Like adverse childhood experiences, like we all have them and you, you know, the list isn't very long. You'd be surprised and what that can do and what that kind of toxic stress, you know, can implement and turn into for an adult. Um, more than that, I don't know. I guess I just want to, I have to enjoy this a little bit, right? It's a process, but I birthed a book. It's exciting. <laughs> you did. Yeah. And it's still so fresh. So just thank you for coming on. And um, kind of like you said, I, that you said you would be working with like chaplets going on base and stuff. Like I would love to see your book, like at the like welcome center or at the chaplain's office, like, and you know, the chaplain kind of like stepping in, like, Hey, are there any new, um, new folks in here? Like, and if you have a spouse, like recommending your book, because that can really help give people the tools to thrive and make, um, that transition into a new, uh, duty station or a new area, a little, a little better, like a little more like, okay, Hey, like I'll get through this because kind of like how you mentioned, like, I mean, you're on resilient and rowdy, but there is a difference between resilience and grit and sheltering your kids, sheltering yourself. Um, and you know, you're not going to succeed in life if you just quit or if you just throw in the towel, you don't know how to face those difficult conversations, difficult feelings. Um, you know, anything difficult in your life. And that can also be, um, you know, just a, a negative impact, whether you see it and you realize it or not. So it's just giving people the right tools to navigate through life because life isn't a Disney movie. It's not a Nicholas Sparks book. It's going to have its ups and downs. And whether you look to, you know, faith or therapy or community, like you can find those tools within any aspect of your life. And so it's just finding those right tools because if you just keep running, you keep avoiding and you wonder why do these cycles keep happening? Um, those questions that you ask yourself, you will eventually find solutions if you sit with those things. So kind of like with you writing the book and, and suggesting these new things for people, like things that they've never tried before, little habits, um, and also just having that conversation, like you don't have to have a traumatic, abusive upbringing or relationship or marriage to, to have trauma. Like, I think that is also a, a good conversation and a really good book for you to definitely get into, um, because you can go through difficult situations and still struggle with that. It doesn't always have to be like what we mm -hmm. consider the cliche things that cause PTSD. You can have, you can mm -hmm. have PTSD from a car accident, like, um, or, or anything really. So it's like, let's not minimize, um, the effect that the external has on the mm -hmm. internal. So, um, I'm definitely very passionate about that because I love psychology and I love the brain. I love studying people. Um, but you're able to bring that as a social worker, as a therapist, like with your experience, personal, professional, and putting that into a book, I think, um, I think, yeah, you're going to be a huge light in this community. And I'm just really grateful that you're, you're doing it. Um, so um, thank you so much for coming on Resilient and Rowdy and for just sharing your story and just 
being the light that you are. So showing up in, in your life the way that you need to in your best way. So I really appreciate that. And I'm really looking forward to reading your book and just sharing it with everyone. Because whether it be military community or just, you know, average person on the block who wants to get to know the military perspective a little better, um, or just, you know, read up on some some good knowledge of navigating loneliness, like that is absolutely crucial, whether you're experiencing it or someone else's, like you can show up in your life and other people's lives, like by reading this book or those, you know, difficult things. So it doesn't always have to be um, those entertaining celebrity gossip mags, like pick up never alone and you're going to learn some good stuff. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a feel good at the end. Sometimes people think it's like, oh, this is going to be a sad story, but like it's a, it's Mm-mm. raw, it's real, it's beautiful. And like, <clears throat> once you get to the end, you'll be like, wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, thank you again for coming on. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we leave? No, no. Um, I am just grateful for the opportunity. Um, and again, I just pray that like it is a resource and it is something that could be used for good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jess, um, for everything. And um, how can people find you if they want to connect? Yeah, if they want to connect, I am probably most active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's I mean, I'm not very creative at all. It's literally Jess underscore Manfrey. So (laughs) finding me is not hard. Um, I also have, have Facebook as well, but yeah, Instagram for sure. And I love communicating with people. I have a website. It's funny. My son is not allowed to email outside of school, but he knows my website and the contact. So he literally sends me stuff like today. He's like, mom, I forgot my pencil case. So my website for sure, jessicabanfrey.com. You can, uh, you can check out some stuff there. Send me a message. I love connecting with people. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you again. So yeah, this is Jessica guys. She is a wife of a coast guardsman. She is now an author. She's a social worker, soon to be therapist, a mother, and she owns chickens. You just sound like a great gal. (laughs) Thank you again. And yeah, I hope you have a great day. And um, everyone, if you'd like to connect with Jess, like she's, she's open, she's real, she's showing up and just don't be afraid to, um, you know, check out her book and, and give her a shout and, um, and yeah, just show up better in your life through, you know, those conversations that need to be had. So thank you again, Jess. And I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you guys.